When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories, the football podcast that gets under the shirt. Today I meet a legend of Scottish comedy, Mr Phil Differ. Since the 1980s, Phil has written and produced for some of the most memorable and iconic shows on stage and screen, including Not the Nine O'Clock News, Spitting Image and Chewing the Fat. He's perhaps best known for the long-running Scottish football impression-based satire, Only an Excuse, which began life on radio but transitioned to TV in 1993. In the following 27 years, the show became a New Year's Eve institution in Scotland, with main actor Jonathan Watson playing a host of characters, including Frank McAvenny, Kenny Dalgleish and Sir Alex Ferguson, just before the bells rang each year. In the podcast, Phil talks to me about the show, his career and his latest play on the life of former Dundee United boss Jim McLean, which is rather aptly called Smile. The play is available to stream for a limited time on the Dundee Rep Theatre website. There's links to that in the notes section. Later, I asked Phil to pick out three favourite football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to him. We take a nostalgic look back at Scottish football in the 60s with the Hoops shirt Celtic War in Lisbon in 1967 and the national team goalkeeper jersey worn in the win over England at Wembley that same year. We finish things off with a look at the Brazil shirts from the 1970 and 1982 World Cups. Phil clearly loves his shirts. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow and share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by a legend of Scottish comedy. It's Mr Phil Differ. How you doing, Phil? Hi, Craig. Nice to see you. Thanks so much for doing this, mate. Really excited to talk to you. Not at all. So, so look, as I mentioned just there, you've had a really, really long career in comedy. Um, you started out in the 80s writing for shows like Not the Nine O'Clock News, Spitting Image. I just wanted to know, how did you start out? Um, thing, when I, before I, I began writing, when I used to watch television. Obviously, I watched a lot of comedy. I didn't realise I was a student of comedy at that time. I right. just watched it for the enjoyment. But I was always intrigued when it said uh, written by, and it would be half a dozen names, you know, yeah. the, the guys that wrote the stuff. And I used to think, I wonder how you actually do that. How, how do you write comedy? Um, 
you know, like, do you go out and listen to people's jokes and then write them down or do you knit them or what, what is it you do? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was always really intrigued by that. And I used to buy books of scripts, um, you know, and, and there was always these books called How to Write Comedy and things like that. And I used to read them, but they never, they never really helped. And then one, one um, uh, year at Christmas, it must have been mid-70s, uh, my mother had got me the book, it was, uh, or Santa Claus got me the book, it was uh, <laughs> Ripping Yarns, the, the series Ripping Yarns, right. Michael Palin was in, and it was the script of it, and it said written by Michael Palin and Terry Jones, and it was in script form. And it, there was a, a, a moment that something clicked there, and I thought, ah, so you actually write, you know, Jim, and he says a line, and Tom says a line, and then, you know, enter something. You actually write a script. I've never yeah. seen a script uh, written down before. And I just thought, I want, I want to do that. I really want to do that. Um, the way in was difficult then. I think it was pretty much a closed shop, and everything was getting made in London. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in 1980, uh, Radio Scotland did a, a, a show called Naked Radio, and it was unashamedly Scottish. It was made in Scotland, recorded in Edinburgh, and it was Scottish writers. Right. And at that right. time, I had just left my work. My, I worked in the post office. I'd left there to go to college. So it was a kind of, um, at that moment, my, my life was sort of changing. I thought, I'm just going to write stuff, and I'll send it in. And hopefully, they'll like it. And, um, and through that, you meet other writers, you meet producers. And everybody gives you a wee bit of help, a wee bit of advice. So I was able to build up from from then. But I was I was writing for I was writing for not an image, not vast amounts, I have to say, um, and uh, kick up the eighties stuff like that when I was when I was at college. So I was I was nineteen eighty when I really started writing. A real long time, pal. So. You're part of the, the comedy unit production house in Glasgow for many years as well, um, and that's been responsible for some like really iconic kind of Scottish comedy programs, and not just Scottish kind of like you know across the nation people will know Rabsy Nesbit, Still Game, Limmy, that kind of stuff. But I guess mm -hmm. you're best known for being involved in the Only an Excuse program that, that aired. Uh, I guess like for people that, that don't follow Scottish football. Only Excuse is like an institution of Scottish football and Scottish comedy that ran um, every new year, I think for 27 years, right? Oh, it's something like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, and it And it, it only just recently finished. So in 2020 was the yeah. last one. And there was like this really amazing special on BBC Scotland. Um, I just wanted to ask you a bit about kind of, you know, what your thoughts on that coming to an end after so many years? Um, I've read that you, I read this really nice phrase that you guys use, you'd had a good kick at the ball, you said kind of thing. It's been going for a long time, but it's a real kind of like much loved institution, mm -hmm. isn't it? Um, I always thought, I always thought it was like being in a band. Um, um, like um, every year we made an album. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, we hope that we, we Zeitgeist, if you like, um, uh, for, for you know, it, it did become um, it become a bit restrictive, restrictive as we go on. You know, in the later years, there's an awful lot of little things we couldn't do, and you know, you can't do that, and you better watch this. And oh, right. uh, the BBC was a wee bit um, wearier of, of, of some of our excesses, shall we say, back in the early day, back in '86. 
Um, the advantage was no one had ever done a, a football comedy show before. So we were really given carte blanche. It was like, all right, on you go, see what you come up with. Um, we went into a radio studio on a Sunday. It was myself, uh, Johnny Watson, and Tony Roper. And yeah. we recorded, it was a half hour show, I think we recorded about five hours of the material because it really, I, I didn't know, that was the first thing I'd ever produced my, you know, alone material. So it was great to get that freedom and we did everything and then we edited it and edited it and managed to get it down to half an hour. Um, and the success of that, it, I think it caught everyone because no one, no one saw that coming, basically. There was, there was no football. Comedy. There's a lot of football comedy now. There was none then. Um, we were all young and, and eager and full of ourselves. Yeah. And they, they repeated the radio show quite a few times, and, um, and then they commissioned others, and then it sort of built up from then. Um, in the later years, I mean, the higher the profile it gets, the more attention it seems to get, and the more you know everybody you know. It's, you know, I don't think you should do that. And why don't you do this? And we could do this. And right. you lose a bit of the control of it. You know, that, that was the thing I felt. Um, and it was just keeping it, trying to keep it, uh, keep it together, keep it keep it true to the ethos of what, what it had been. Yes. And one of the things that, you know, we, we, we did broaden it. Um, we, we found that there was, there was, there was as, as the years went by, there was a lot of, some of the football characters were leaving football. Yeah. Um, and the new ones, the new characters weren't good characters for us to do, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so we broadened it and we brought in a bit, a bit of politics, a bit of this, a bit of that. And some of it was good. I, I, I kind of, you know, the, but if I could, again, I probably st- uh, stuck more with the football. But hindsight's a great thing. I mean, the, the reason we did the other things was, was to try and expand the, the, the appeal of it, you know? Yeah. Well, if something's been going that long, you've got to mix it up, I guess, haven't you? You've got to try new things, otherwise it becomes stale. I know that that was the, that was. The, I mean, for instance, um, you know, take a character like like Frank Marcaveni, uh, yeah. Johnny's character, not, not the real Frank. Um, <laughs> the, you know, like at first people kind of get enough of it. You know, you know, where's the birds and all that? Oh, they love it. And then so like one year, went, oh no, him again. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, you realise that you that the. You've overstayed your welcome a wee bit, so um, he kind of got demoted slightly while we waited for others to come through. Uh, and there, there was there wasn't a lot of characters, you know. I mean, they all, they all suffered from that, you know. Um, you know, like the thick young character was one that we used a lot. Even initially, we had a narrator with William McIlvany who narrated only a game. The show was a part of, um, and he got demoted as well. Everybody. <laughs> And you guys, you know, um, yeah. of course, we're all getting older as well. I mean, but you know, that was it. when we started doing it, um, uh, we were in our 30s, and then you know, when we finished, we were in our 60s. And, <laughs> that's, that's a bit, and, and actors get older and things like that, you know, so you adapt as, as it goes on, you know. Yeah, so I guess you're looking forward to your first Christmas off in 27 years, then. Well, do you know that's 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 an interesting that you pointed that out. I mean, before before I did only its use, I did Scotch and Rye, which was huge as well with Ricky right. Cole. That was a Hogmanay schedule sort of thing. So I, I think I, I think I did the first one of those in eighty eight or eighty nine. Wow. Uh, so I haven't had a, a Christmas New Year, sorry, off 
I've always been making a program. Yeah. Um, and for the last whatever that is. And the thing is, this is really interesting. I always carry a notebook wherever I go. And, and a couple of times recently, I've got out my notebook to make a note for only an excuse. <laughs> and I, oh, I don't need to worry about that this year. So, <laughs> Um, it's 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 a wee odd. I'll probably st- still keep you know notebooks everywhere, and I'll scribble, and I'll you know for a program that's never going to ever going to be made. You know, yeah. it's, it's a habit. Come, um, I'll be you know, come the beginning of December when we would normally go filming. I think that's when I'll, I'll, I'll really miss it. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the, the the filming, you know, basically we use the same. Crew for, for almost the entirety, you know, the same designer, makeup, wardrobe, you know, the, the team crew guys, everybody was the camera, uh, sound, were usually the same guys. So we built up a great camaraderie and friendship. Well, I guess like you, you can move, move on to other stuff and like talking about icons in Scottish football, as you kind of parodied on that show. Uh, you wrote a play recently about Jim McLean, who is the kind of long-serving uh, Dundee United manager, really successful as well. The play's called Smile. Background, I met Jim McLean twice, and he got a reputation for being quite grumpy. Yeah. Um, one occasion I met him, he was in a bad mood. Someone had someone was a, a Q&A night, right. uh, and uh, he had been up about a question about contracts. Uh, United were notorious for long contracts. And, yes. You know, so you know there was the whole thing, and he was being he was being wound up by an agent, and he was absolutely furious. I've never I've never seen anybody in such a bad mood. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> I was kind of slightly I'd heard about it, but I'd never uh, seen him like that. So anyway, I, I, I thought, I thought well, that's Jim McLean. That's what he does. And then we had him on a show called Offside uh, with Tom Cowan, and yeah. he was a guest on it. And uh, met him in the green room, and he was a completely different guy. He was quite, you know, quiet and, and quite shy, you know. And, wow. and, and, you know, and he did the show, and he came off the show, and he went very well. He was funny, he was amusing, and he played keepy uppy and he <laughs> stuff, you know, all the stuff with the ball and all that, you know. So I was sitting in the green room, and, and he, he calls me over, and he, he says, he Phil, and I went over, and he says, What's the difference between writing for television and writing for theatre? And that was the question they asked me, you know, because we'd done a lot of only excuse stage shows for this yeah. thing. Presumably they'd come to see one and, and, and we didn't know. But so we had this chat about it and, and I suddenly thought there's a wee seed planted away in the back of my mind um, about this guy that the public image and what the, you know, the, the guy who was sitting there asking a serious question about the last thing in the world you think Jim McLean would be interested in. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so uh, I, um, I took it away and then one day I was up in Dundee and I was passing Dundee Rep and I, honestly, it was like a, a kind of hippie thing. There was a call and I thought, I, I want to work in there. I just, there was a vibe about the play. It was, as I was passing it, I was visiting a friend who lived in, on the street that Dundee Rep was. was a, uh, so a kind of synergy and the gods and the stars all aligned. Yeah. Uh, I got to Dundee, I, I, I emailed and I said, listen, I've, I think there's an idea in the Jim McLean story, the local thing and what have you. And fortunately we agreed. Um, and of course the thing was, uh, at the time Jim was in hospital, suffering uh, dementia. Right. So we had to clear everything with the family. So I got in touch with um, 
uh, the family, and I went and visited Boris, his wife, and uh, Gary, one of his sons, and basically had to pitch the idea to them, you know, I'm going to write a play about your husband, your dad. Yeah. Uh, we know the reputation he has, but that's not what I want to do. I want to do the real thing. And they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Jimmy's family were brilliant. Weary, obviously, because you, you don't know what it's going to be like. Of course. Uh, I said to Boris, I says, you know, because I've got, I'm thinking of calling it Smile because he, he was so dour. She laughed, and I thought, well, well, that's a good sign, you know, and I could get Gary Smith. He wasn't giving any away, he was still watching it. Um, and the first question I asked him was, I said, right, big question, uh, was Jim vain about his hair? But of course, he did this terrible sweep over thing. Yeah. And that nice as well, and we laughed and laughed at that. And then they opened up and they gave me so much information. That was June 2018. So I've got it written in my notebook. I've always scribbled because I know where, you know, the timeline. Yeah. And we talked and talked and talked uh, for hours. I think I went up a couple of times and we just gave us so much information. As, and I kind of put together a, a, a version of, of, of Jim that probably... Um, the, the the audience never was never aware of, never saw very much. Um, right. A very incredibly intense, private, and, and shy man, you know. Um, and and it, so the play became one of the critics called it a love letter to Scottish football, which I loved because it was it was a it was a thought, you know a, a, a looking back at a time that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, the players you don't get anymore. A lot of things that's gone, and I'm, I was wistfully looking back at, and um, it was it, the whole experience of making it was fantastic. The, the records brilliant to work with. Um, we did a lot of work. We did a lot of a week of just talking about it, you know, like in, a, in the rehearsal room um, with a you know cast and a director, and we just talked and talked. What are we trying to do here? What do we do with this? What do we do with that? And it was brilliant. And, and then of course the night. The night it opened, which was just before the pandemic, everything it just finished perfect, and then the pandemic kicked in. That was like then lockdown, so it was we got it done. I mean, imagine if we never got it done. But yeah. uh, the first night was a Dundee United night, and there was a lot of the guys from Dundee United Trust were there, and there was about half a dozen of the players that had played with Jim. Right. Um, and because we, you know, you know, we're all we've done this for a long time, but you never know how. A piece is going to go. I mean, you know, the audience might hate it, yeah. um, you know, or just doesn't hit the quite hit the mark or whatever. And the McLeans were all there. Uh, uh, the family were there. His brother Willie was there. There was uh, Annie's uncle and nieces and nephews and everyone was there. Um, it could be, the, 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 the night of the show it couldn't have gone better. I mean, it was, it was it really was, it was incredibly. It was emotional and it was it was funny and it was sad and never mind. But at the end of it, um, the, the thing for me that was so important was the players all say that was the, the word Paul Hegarty used was authentic. Because that was just true. It was just it was authentic, and that for us was so important. And for people have been saying, "Well, oh, this is a whitewash and it wasn't. Uh, it was works and all." Which you know the, the family wanted it, but their, their thing was they did. Can you make him funny? Because he was funny. 
it, it, I thought he had a sense of humour. And I said, no, absolutely, we don't want it just to be Jim McLean punches <laughs> people, things like that. Yeah. And that's story and it was and, and the language was part of the story as well um so it, it, that was that was how it started that's what we did uh we were bowled over by the by the success of it um the, we the audience really got it yeah i think that the, the, i think it's wide i think it, any any football club uh you know i think with anybody you know like a big football club, I think they would enjoy it. You, know, you don't need to be a Dundee United fan yeah. uh, to enjoy it. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, Dundee United for the it was a tremendous achievement, um, you know, and the, and the style of play and everything, but it was fleeting, you know. It was, and, you know, it's, it's that idea that and the United fans were saying that you probably never get back to that again. Yeah. You know, right. football will never get back to that again, but it was it was, a, it was glorious, and I think that they, they liked it. I, I loved writing it. I mean, it was just great. He's a, yeah. a brilliant character. He's, he's almost like a kind of. I don't know if you make a film, you would need to bring back like John Wayne or Burt Lancaster, <laughs> Douglas. Douglas would be brilliant. He's just such a larger than life character, and, and it's like all these things you don't know what you've got till it's gone. You know, he's, yeah, yeah. of course uh, that ability is all lost now, and. and you know, but at least the play keeps keeps him alive. You know, um, yeah. Alive. There's some really nice kind of themes there that you're pulling out. I think. I think, obviously, like he sadly passed away at the end of last year. I think, didn't he? Aye, yeah. aye. But I do feel like that story. This, you know, the story of his success that he had with Dundee United in the '80s. I really don't think it's widely known outside of Scottish football, and at times, kind of, it's maybe a generational thing. It doesn't get talked about often enough. I think. Yeah. I read a really good Guardian article last year, um, I think around the time he died, talking about they got to the semi-final of the European Cup in 84, I think, didn't they? There there were some issues around bribery around the referee, allegedly, and and Roma went through to the final. Um, It's just such an incredible story, like you say. And like I say, it kind of resonates for all football fans because it's amazing. They won the league. They got to the final UEFA Cup as well during that period too. Aye, and there were it's, it's, McLean himself described the United as a corner shop, uh, on the supermarket. You know they, that he saw them as a, and they were. They're, they're not. They're an institution um, in, in Scotland, and, and you know the other team. I've always had a soft spot for them. They always. They were always a a good footballing side. I mean, in the sixties, um, they, they signed an awful lot of. Scandinavian guys, who'd, who'd, um, All right. uh, you know, like, and, and, they, and they, it was a different kind of football. They, they, they wore black and white, you know. They, 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 Canadice was this, you know, Canadice sound quite, you know, <laughs> something about the Hobbit or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Went to Scottish Canadice, um, or Canadice, as I heard it called one thing. <laughs> Match of the day, but no, it's it's, it's kind of little. I also think that um, in the pantheon of, of managers that you know, there were Jock Dean and Alex Ferguson, and Jim, Jim probably being third in that line, maybe never got the the, the recognition that he, that he achieved. You know, like, yeah. because he was he wasn't he wasn't Steen, he wasn't Fergie, yeah. um, and he stayed up here. And maybe stayed too long. Maybe you know we're touching that in the play. Bit of the chance to move, and that's something that you know. Again, in all our lives, we never know 
if you make the right or wrong decision, you know, will tell. Yeah. Uh, and he could have moved and maybe, maybe he should have, but he, he had a loyalty, which is commendable, which you don't get these days as well. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great it's a great story. I mean, it's, it's um, you know it's a kind of it's a kind of Royal the Rovers thing. Everybody loves that. You know, it's a kind of Rocky for, for football. You know, a yeah. wee team just punches way above the ring, really, really far. And ultimately, um, I think you're right. It was proven that there was bribery involved. Um, Roma. Um, I think I think the son of the referee. Um, or the son of the chairman uh, came out and said, you know, they, they, they had bummed the referee. Yeah. They had uh, usually watches and suits, apparently. Uh, apparently, I mean, there's the famous image of McLean walking off the pitch and the, the Roma players are right in his face, you yes. know, like uh, uh, giving him drug abuse. Um, and Paul Sturrock said there was a fight in the tunnel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe Alamo, you know, around. <laughs> apparently there was there was some scuffles in the the, the tunnel, which which we do touch on that as well. We covered everything on it, you know. Nice. Well, I guess the, the good news is is that uh, I think it's for a limited time, isn't it? You can go onto the Dundee Rep Theatre website and uh, stream a version of the play. That yes, that's sure. right. Um, we we adapted it um, a couple of months ago. Right. We were really delighted that there wasn't an awful lot we had to move or change or alter or anything like that. But, um, but aye, that, that's, that, as of Friday, um, that's that's up and running. Yeah, yeah. so look forward to that as well. You know? Friday the 16th of April. So, yeah, what, what I'll do is I'll put a link out in the podcast notes so everybody can go see it themselves. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that myself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, um, Phil, should we talk about your football shirt choices today? Mm-hmm. So, um, the first question I ask everybody on the podcast is, what do football shirts in particular mean to you? Oh, but I love this day. I love football strips. Yeah. Um, and Johnny Watson similar to me. We, we end up, we'll meet and we'll have discussions about some game. And eventually, inevitably, we'll say, we can't get a strip. And we end up, I don't like that, but I don't like this. But uh, I remember being in um, Amsterdam a good few years ago and I was at a football jersey shop uh, that Johnny and I had visited. We were filming there, filming a Rab C. Nesbitt episode. Okay. And we ended up in a shop looking at all the trips. And I, I was there years later and they had, uh, it was the Inter Milan trip and it was the, the, the black and uh, blue, but it had a white collar. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And actually, I, 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 I would wear that to a wedding. It's just, it looks <laughs> so good. Uh, so I've always had this thing about football strips. Well, you, you've picked like three real classics here. Um, we're going to start off with uh, the Celtics shirt in 1967, the year, of course, they won the European Cup. How come mm-hmm. you chosen this one? Uh, well, obviously, I'm a Celtic supporter. I think I'm obvious for that. Yeah. Um, I think it's because, I mean, like, when I first got in, if, when, when I lived in, initially in Coastside, there was no area to play football. We lived in this sort of kind of, what you'd call a tenement, I suppose, you know, a wee tenement, not quite a big one. But anyway, um, there was, it was waste ground. Uh, but what we did in the waste ground was we played at Cowboys and Indians and you know, reenacted the Alamo and Zulu and all the films. Yeah, yeah. But there was no way to play football. When we moved uh, around about 61, 62, we moved to a, a new house. There was a football pitch just down the road. And suddenly I would look at it and there was all these guys playing football. I, I was not aware of it at all. Again, I'm only six or seven at the time. Right. Um, and on the way home from school, Everybody played football, you know, you know, jump off the goalposts, you know, the old thing, school bags for goalposts, or a brick, you know, occasionally it would be a brick, which was all <laughs> a couple of bricks. And so this football thing, everybody seemed, to, everybody seemed to be able to play, you know, dribble, pass. It's, 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 I'd never, anyway, I started playing football and just really, really would love it first kick, you know, yeah. or love it first swing, of, of, and you met it. You just say, right, I don't, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. Um, and, and of course, football, live football on television was, was a rarity. I used to go and watch the juniors. Cosette uh, Rangers was a junior team, right. or the amateur team, the Cosette Amateurs, or St. Pat's, and we used to go and watch them. Um, the, the, when I started going to football, my uncle, uh, a couple of uncles used to take me, it was, it was the Celtic games. And I actually, I loved it more under the floodlights because of the, the green and the white, the white 
just seemed so so white when yeah. they and they all looked like monsters giants, you know. I mean I know that I think Shankly said that with the red in Liverpool, it made them all look bigger, you know, yeah. somehow said that. So I kind of loved I loved the, 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 the combination of the green and the white. The white was, was, was so incredibly white. And of course I associate that with the, the, the Celtics run in Europe. Um they the 66 they won the league for the first time in a hundred years or something. Or whatever yeah. it was. Um, they, they had won the Scottish Cup the year before, which is probably the first Celtic game I can remember. Um, and I just remember, you know, that's that becomes the team when you're drawn to it. Uh, it's, it's iconic, you know, the, the green and white hoops have, have never changed. It's always been messed about with it occasionally. Yeah. But it's, you know, it always comes back to that. The plainness of the shot as well. Um, you know, there's no stars or badge or anything, it was just a plain shot. And it was my, my auntie, an auntie uh, gave me it from a birthday. Uh, that must have been 67 uh, or 66. I think it was the year before 66. Gave me it from a birthday. And right. what I remember about it was it, it had great big long sleeves. <laughs> and the sleeves were like for a given or something like that. Hanging over. <laughs> and you'd roll it up about 20 times. It was, and when it washed, it the dyes right. It was just a cheap, you know. Yeah. It was an uncle, but it was it just was crap basically. Um, and I had that for years, and I've still got it somewhere. It's about that size. Wow! It's tiny, uh, shrunk. Uh, it's shrunk a million, or, I, or I've got bigger. Maybe maybe it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I still I've still got that um, every now and again, and, and the big long and sleeves <laughs> would probably fit me now. <laughs> it's just it's the memories of that you know um, that year obviously sixty seven winning the European Cup although we never go on about it um, no. <laughs> I just mention it every now and again it, it, it was it was just fantastic and having you know that so the, the hoops will always be um, special uh, for yeah. anybody in the team I will say this so let, let me say that, let me controversially say that that time. I thought the Rangers strip was an absolute water. Um, yeah. Royal blue, as they call it, you know, that dark blue with the v neck, uh, yeah. red and black socks. I, I, you know, I used to look at that and go, oh, that's a crack strip. Um, but then I don't know about the, 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 the late 60s Rangers then made, made a commitment with a lighter blue and right. red and white. They, they changed it. They, they were the first team I ever remember that. That kind of fruited a wee bit, you know. We by it anyway, but I always thought I also that was a great strip. And the other one I always liked at that time was Kilmarnock. Right. Uh, it was playing the vertical blue again. That, that was that was a crack because they were a great. They, they, they were the first league champions I can ever remember. They won the league in '65. Um, right. And uh, previously that was Dundee. See, Dundee's a lovely that dark blue. What was a crack strip as well? Yeah. Early that. But uh, no, Celtic. It's uh, the hoops. That's, that's the one. That's uh, yeah. The plain, the plain, simple plain hoops. That's the one for me. Yeah, and it's just like I think that story as well. The European Cup that they won. I think it's just another one of those stories in Scottish football, much like the McLean kind of story of Scottish football achievement, but it being very fleeting as well and being an incredible I, story. I, but you know, Scotland have had so many high points in football, and that certainly is one of them. That was that was I think it's interesting. It's really down to the managers, really, isn't it? I mean, like yeah. you know, the, 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 um, Steen Ferguson and McLean, you know, basically, you know, kind of local teams and, 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 and put them to 
levels. And, you know, I often look at, you know, Scottish football and, and I kind of, you, you worry about it slightly. I mean, in, in the 50s and 60s, Hungary was one of the, the leading teams in, in European football. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, Fermis Varos and Sosa yeah. And another name I love was P.K. Budapest. <laughs> brilliant name. Um, and they were in the 66 World Cup. Uh, they, you know, Florian Albert, uh, Ferenc Benny, uh, they, they guys like, um, they, they were world-class yeah. players. And then you think, well, what happened? I mean, Hungary, you know, you'd love to get hungry and you just, just disappeared. And I always worry that we on that, you know, sort of thing, have, have we... You know, when you if you stepped outside Scotland and look back, do have we disappeared a bit? You know, every now and again, we were okay. We Celtic got to the final in Seville and Rangers got to Manchester. Yeah, but it's it, so unusual for that to happen. You know, we used to be up there. Um, if you look at that, you know, between the, the mid sixties and the and the the, the mid seventies, yeah, a number of European Cup semi finals and things that yeah, you know, constantly. Uh, you know, I think Rangers would be running right through and Kilmarnock and Dunfermline and things like that. And, yeah. you know, used to, used to you know, be, be, be right in there. So I always slightly worry, um, you know, and when people say, oh, the, the whole world will be looking at Scotland, looking at Scotland and Scottish football and laughing and everything. I don't think they look at Scottish football much at all. No, I think I, <laughs> no, you know, just some guy in Brazil's going, hey, have you seen what Scottish football have done? I don't think they. They think the same. I think, you know, I think it's a shame. I think we, we, we somewhere we slipped, somewhere we, we took a wrong turn and we're, we're still trying to get back up there, you know. But, yeah. Well, um, look, hopefully it's a cyclical thing, you know. And uh, Well, that's the thing. I always, I, I, I constant hope. I'm always thinking that it'll come back round again, you know. I think a manager comes up with, you know, a, a new way of doing it or something like that. Yeah, know? yeah. And the players buy into it. Um, I know that would be good. We all, we all, we all dream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so look, we're, we're keeping it Scottish for your second choice. Uh, mm. This is the first goalkeeper shirt I've ever had on the show, I think. Um, oh, right. And this is the yellow Scotland goalie top, um, sixty-seven goalie top. I'm going to say the Ronnie Simpson goalie top, right? Ronnie Simpson, yeah, that is. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a goalkeeper, um, and I, I use the present tense because I've not retired yet. Um, good man. I was playing up until well, we played we, 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 up until the lockdown, and then when they eased it, we all we played about six games again. It's a Sunday morning. It's a bunch of we've been playing for years, um, coming up for twenty years, eleven aside, yeah. uh, hire a referee, and you know we're getting older. And we're, this isn't as good as it used to be, but they're a great bunch of guys, and we have we have great fun. And from 67, Ronnie Simpson kind of inspired me to be a goalkeeper. Right. Uh, a, a tremendous grace. He wasn't a big guy or anything like that. The idea of the big, big, big guy goalkeepers are the thing there. But um, well, he, he, he must have been about 5'8 or 9 if he was that. And right, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, I, oh, I mean, I was... I walked behind him one day and I thought, oh, I can't I mean, I'm six feet, but he was wearing me. And apparently what he used to do is when they were getting team photos saying, this is what about to click, Ronnie would stand up. And <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. You know, I used to do that. Um, Craig told me that, I know, I lived in line. Yeah. Um, he says, actually, Ronnie used to, he used to go up. 
But it didn't, it didn't matter to him. I also I remember one time um, I was speaking to Stefan Kloss, the, the, the ex-Rangers guy, yeah. and I, I was struck. Andy Gordon was the same. They're not tall guys. They're, they're, you know, they're not over six feet. And I said to Stefan Kloss, how tall are you, Stefan? And he said, tall enough. And I thought, that's <laughs> These guys are great goalkeepers. But yeah. um, so, I mean, the, you know, I, he said Michael was the guy that the, the, the big goalkeeper was. That he was the guy, you know, in '67 when, when when Scotland beat England, <laughs> B2 became the world champions. Yeah, um, Simpson made a couple of saves right at the death, right late on. Um, and I remember that game, uh, and it was it was black and white. But I remember seeing a colour photograph from it of Simpson making one of the saves in the yellow. I mean, the, the red and black thought that, and he just, it looked, oh, you know, you know that, you see a strip, you go, wow, I need to have that. And I got a jersey, um, I got a, a, a Scotland jersey, the badge was not the proper badge, it was my birthday. I yeah. got that, again, it shrunk, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was really tight, but I, I still wore it with a proper top. Um, and I was known as, you know, it, it, People in size for a play. I use a wee guy that wears the Scotland goalies. I, I became famous for this. I, I'd also remember one time I got a, a bloody nose and I got blood on it. Yeah. Uh, and that was when we washed it and it shrunk, you know. Oh, but the, blood, the blood marks were still there. Um, <laughs> I mean, through the wars, that jersey. But it was such a great look. Just uh, it, it looked great. And, and for a while, Scotland, again, they've changed things a bit. All Scotland goalkeepers. Tended to wear that. That was that was the strip. The, yeah. the first football book I ever got was called the Scottish Football Book Number Ten. And on the cover, it was Scotland uh, beating England one 0 at Hamden. Alan Goldine scored the goal. Yeah. And, uh, the goalkeeper was a guy called Campbell for size, man goalkeeper, and that he was wearing that the, the yellow and the, you know. The, and that was when I saw that again. I thought. God, that was a cracking strip. And when Ronnie Simpson, who was kind of my hero, I suppose, uh, my idol, when he, you know, was the, the strip was passed on to him, you know, that was yeah. that, that was a great, you know, the fact he was a Celtic goalkeeper or what have you. And yeah. that was me like, I'm going to be a, a goalkeeper. I'd given up. Um, originally, I wanted to be a, a, a midfield general, but I was <laughs> So we'll move on to your final choice now. You pick two here. They're very similar. We're going to let it go. Usually there's only three choices. You've got mm-hmm. two Brazil shirts. It's the 1970 World Cup and the 1982 World Cup. They're both very similar, both very beautiful, both classics. I, it, I think I had... Um, I, I slightly cheated because it's because it's Brazil. Kind of merge them together sort of thing. The, the, yeah. the, the, the Brazil, 1970 was... was that was kind of... Revelation for the people of our generation. Um, the World Cup of Mexico seventy was the games kicked off around about ten o'clock, half ten at night. So I was in second year at secondary school, yeah. and I would um, I get to sit up late uh, to watch the, the football coming in, and you know they good, it was okay, and then suddenly Brazil appeared, um, and they seemed to have like you know. Um, I don't know, seven attackers or something like that. You know, it was just like there was, there was, there was, there was, it was 
you know, they, they always use total football when they're relating to the Dutch. I mean, the, the Brazil in 1970 were an astonishing team. And defensively, they were only great. But it, what's that thing? Well, if we lose a goal, we'll score two. I mean, and, yeah, and yeah. they really did. Um, they were fabulous. You know, Pele was like considered an old man going into that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he just kicked the 66 World Cup. Yeah, but Pele was finished. Pele was done. You know, done written, written off Pele now. Uh, all the emphasis was on Portal, who was the white Pele, if you remember that. And right. then Pele suddenly, you know, starts bringing shots for the halfway line, dummying goalkeepers, scoring goals, setting up headers, everything, you name it. He, he, he could do everything. And I think that everybody was caught up there. The, 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 the Imagination, that's the way football, everybody wants to see football played. Yeah. Like when you throw in Brazino, Gerson, Clodo Aldo, Rivellino, um, you know, Carlos Alberto, and even they had a comical goalkeeper, a guy called Felix. I don't know if you remember him, right. who was suspect to say the least. <laughs> a, a real character that was just a shrug of the shoulders. We've lost a goal, let's go up the park, of course, some more. Yeah, but if, if, I had, if I had to pick one, though, I'm, I'm going to go with the 82 Brazil team. That's the one because there is a it's bittersweet, and a tremendous. Pathos about that strip because they didn't win the World Cup. Yeah, and should have. Um, it, there's a, there's a, I read a book recently called Glorious Failure about that. Brazil. Everybody loved Brazil in Everybody loved them. Um, you know, the, the, the first, you know, really became aware of the samba, the rhythm, and the whole game. You samba rhythm. You yeah. know, and the football is the way they played football, and they had. Um, the three players, Zico, uh, he was the latest white player, Socrates and Dea, uh, three of the best players I've ever seen. I mean, just the, the movement of these guys. And again, I, I started working at the BBC at the time. Yeah. I was a researcher. And everybody at the BBC, they, they all passed off to the club at five o'clock and a lot of the games kicked off then. And I just had this memory of like, the sun shining in, uh, in 82 and I would get the office to myself and it was a big television and watching Brazil. Lovely. And they just looked, you know, they, were, they kept winning and they steady beat Scotland, even though David Neri, another Dundee United guy, called the Dopoke, as Jimmy Hill called it. Yeah. Uh, and they, they just looked, they, they were so good. And then, of course, I remember they, they played Italy and they got beat seats. I, I mean, I've, for a neutral, I've never been so <laughs> upset about a team connecting the World Cup. And, you know, you know, meeting pals and go, what do you make of that? Brazil is out of the world. It's just, it was such a shock. Um, I also remember that, the, 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 again, the, 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 the tops were quite tight and the shorts, were, there was, there was, remember those tiny shorts that they used to? Yeah, and, yeah the 80s. You know, the 80s, that time, I mean, um, you know, before the big shorts came back in. But it just looked um, fabulous. And I remember um, at that game against Italy, you know, Gentile, uh, uh, Mark and Zico, I mean, like, you know, like, you know, all, and, and Zico turning them and yeah. losing Gentile and, and John Watson, or oh, what a turn. And I mean, it was, it was astonishing football. That, that, so, in a way, that, that my generation, anyway, Brazil was the was the benchmark. I mean, in 66 World Cup, everybody thought Brazil was going to win it. I yeah. remember that. It was Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. 
and learn as good at and other teams and develop tactics just like picking lumps at them basically. Um, yeah, kicked you know, the game, didn't they? Aye, and, and so you know, seventy came and every sort of they won. And then there was a long gap completely when they felt they had another team. And it was great that Brazil were back. You know, it yeah. was like an old, an old friend, you know, that. and yeah. then of course they got, they got beat. I, I, sh- I should point out, just because we're talking about strips here, um, the other one that nearly would have been, I would have thrown in as well if it had been five or six, was the, the West Germany green strip from the mid-70s. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I've actually got a I've got one of them, and it does fit me. Nice. Um, um, I got a present a couple of years ago. Um, it's got a badge, you know, but that, because that was the one when they say they beat England, beat us at Wembley, and it was 76, 77. Right. And Peter Netzer uh, ran the show, you know, the blonde. Yeah, yeah, the, in the green. He ran in the car. Oh, that, that, that is a... That is another one that I would have thrown in. Well, Phil, that's, that's three absolutely amazing choices. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Phil for sharing his football kit memories with me. Don't forget to check out Smile, Phil's play about Dundee United legend Jim McLean on the Dundee Rep Theatre website. You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. The music you heard was produced by Eva Led. Check out his music on his Bandcamp. There's links to everything I've mentioned in the notes section. And finally, thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word, give me a follow on social, and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. And other than that, I guess I'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.